Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the fourth episode of the Not Your Everyday MMA podcast. My name is Alex Henry, and I'm joined with Corey Haber. What's going on? And man, this is a very exciting week uh, for MMA. We have stuff to recap. We have things that are happening down the road, and then we have things that are happening this Saturday night, and we're going to cover it all. Right, Tori? Yes, I'm very, very excited. I mean, when I first looked at UFC 279, I was not really excited, but the more it built up a little bit, the more I'm getting a little bit more excited. I'm getting in that kind of like fight week mode, you know, pay-per-view week. So all the press, it's getting me pumped up for this weekend. So I'm stoked. Yeah, I feel like every UFC do- every UFC fan does that, where they're like, oh man, like two months ago, we're like, this card stinks. And then it's like, now that it's fight week, we like get excited Forget, for it. Yeah, exactly. That's how it was for the uh, Kobe Covington Jorge Masvidal card. Yeah, I was like, dude, that card's so lame. And then I got really hype, and then it was kind of lame, but I got really hype yeah. for the card. Um, yeah, a card was, that was hype. That was hype. It was very hype. <laughs> deserved its hype. Was UFC's first trip over to Paris, and you could tell those Paris fans have been waiting for UFC to come to Paris. I mean, it's like. They were ready to just bring the house down. They had energy throughout the entire night. And there were so many good fights. And our predictions were pretty good um, on that card. We got some wrong. We got Nathaniel Wood wrong. Uh, Somebody commented Nathaniel Wood in the comments, too. So shout out to that guy that did comment Nathaniel Wood. Um, But we're going to cover the co-made main event. And Tori, I'll throw it over to you first. Robert Whitaker, Marvin Vittori, what a fight. What did you have to wow. think about it? So right off the bat, I am a big, big, big Robert Whitaker fan. I always say this. It's almost like my thing. I have a soft spot for soft people. So just like these dad-like fighters, I'm just like, oh. And so, but when you he walks out of the octagon with his hood on, he looks like a dog. Like that man is ready to fight. Like the Reaper is coming for your neck. So I just got chills the second he walked out. And so I was just very excited to see these two fight. Um, Before researching the fight, I was kind of iffy. I was like, I don't know who's going to take it, blah, blah, blah. But the more I researched it, the more I was compelled to say Robert Whitaker was going to win it by a landslide and that he did. But Tori just couldn't keep up with him anywhere. He had a hard time taking him down. He couldn't strike with him on the feet. And just Robert was doing so, so, so good of moving in and out of those exchanges. And he just picked him apart and he looked like the old Reaper and he looked amazing. I was so, so, so thoroughly impressed. That was definitely one of unsharpened pencil here. Definitely, definitely one of the most dominant performances I've seen from Robert Whitaker in like four yes. years. Like, not necessarily that it was his most dominant, but Marvin Vittori, a guy who's supposed to be right up there with Robert Whitaker. It's why they made this match. Yeah. He had nothing. And it wasn't because his game plan was bad. It was just that Robert Whitaker didn't give him nothing. And he was just beating him the whole entire time. And that's what made that performance so dominant to me. Now, Tori, you know, we were talking before the podcast about, man, Robert Whitaker is good. And he's probably the best second man out of all the weight classes in UFC right now. Well, if you go to pound for pound rankings, Robert Whitaker is not there. Yeah. and not there. I think that's almost ridiculous in a way. I mean, especially after this fight, he should 1,000% be on the pound-for-pound rankings. I mean, there's no right. doubt about it. It was so dominant. And he did give Izzy a hard time. Some people can say that Robert won that fight. 
he looks good versus Israel, but um, it's unfortunate. I mean, the pound for pound right now, it's just, it's confusing. You never know who's going to be on there. You don't even know really what they base it off of anymore. So, I mean, at this point, we could have the top 10 or top 15 pound for pound in our heads, but the UFC, I don't think it's ever going to match up to our expectations of what the pound for pound list is. But I was just going to um, touch on that subject about Robert. It's almost hurts me a little bit because he is just so good but there's just always going to be as long as Israel Adesanya is champion that upper man in front of him they're just always it's just with the way that Izzy fights it's just it's so hard to figure out and Robert might, might be getting closer but I feel bad because he's just so far ahead of the entire division like what does he do now does right. he fight everyone again does he fight the new like bad upcoming contender that everyone's afraid to fight what does he do does he wait for the winner of Alex versus Izzy it's just I don't know you never right, know. Yeah. I mean, He's if, just I, stuck. if I'm Robert Whitaker, I'm praying that Alex Pajeda wins and then that he wins again in the rematch versus Izzy and then that's his shot. Looking at the pound for pound list, there's a couple guys that I could, I would replace um, in this pound for pound list. They have Max Holloway at 11. Now, Max Holloway's great, right? But he yeah. lost his trilogy um, with Bulk. And he's, you know, he was looking good up until his fights um, before his third fight with him. But he's at 11. I think Whitaker is better than him at this point. So I guess I would have to put Whitaker there. Also, Piotr Jan, which is one of my favorite, favorite Bantamweights. Uh, I would like to keep him, but he's at 14. And I could easily see Robert Whitaker coming in there instead of Piotr Jan. And I could see people arguing that point as well. But huge credit to Robert Whitaker for a very, very dominant performance. Another maybe not so dominant performance, but very dominant fight just between both fighters, a brawl. You know, it was a brawl. Yeah. Uh, Surreal Gone versus Ty Tuivasa. Uh, Gone got that win. He got the knockout versus Ty. Um, it's kind of sad to see, you know. Yeah, yeah we were talking. I, I said, dude's got some cracks in that sed- cement dome piece of his yeah for sure kind of cracked open what do you have to uh take away from that fight Tori it it was so hard just because Ty Tuivasa is definitely up there my favorite fighters it's he always will be and just going to the fight like I just kept on saying I'm like my heart wants Ty but my head says Cyril and it's just that's just how it was going but the thing is you can never ever ever doubt the underdog in MMA especially at heavyweight because they have that one punch power and especially after Leon and um, Usman too how could you ever doubt the underdog it's his MMA anything can happen so in the back of my head I had predicted the fight on my TikTok account we had predicted Cyril gone together on this podcast but in the back of my head I was rooting for Ty Tuivasa the whole time I didn't even care if I put money on the Cyril gone fight I wanted Ty to win so when he cracked Cyril I went crazy I was standing up like screaming like oh my gosh what and Ty actually did. He threw in a lot more exchanges than I thought, too. Mm-hmm. He did a lot better than I was preparing. He brought Cyril Gaon into a brawl with him a few times. And that's not something we've seen Cyril Gaon do. He knocked down Cyril Gaon. I believe he is the first person to do that. And he clipped him pretty hard. Yeah. But, I mean, Ty's definition of a D-A-W-G, like a dog. Like, that man just took shots like no other. You could tell it was affecting him and he just kept on pushing forward and you could just see the want in his eyes and that's why it hurt so much more to see him get knocked down but no no bad feelings or anything to either of the fighters. They had showed 
both such great sportsmanship inside the octagon and outside and they both put on such a good fight and props to Cyril gone for a great performance but it's always so sad to see bam bam lose yeah it, it definitely was sad however i i can't be like i'm not upset with his performance he really did prove himself in this fight and in my mind, I said on the last podcast, Ghana's best heavyweight in the world right now. I genuinely think if he got another match versus Francis, he'd beat him. But Francis is struggling with contract stuff. And now reports came out this week that Surreal Gone is going to be out for six months with a hand injury. Yeah. What does the heavyweight divisions already, we've already been having the conversation what's going to happen, what's going to happen. Now with Gone out, for six months and just because he's out for six months doesn't mean that he's going to be right back at that six month mark he's going to have to I'll obviously train as much as he can but he's still going to have to have a full camp for a fight you know seeing gone maybe gone for six months to eight months maybe a whole year what do we do with heavyweight division right now Tori it feels like the heavyweight division right now is on a pause it's on a hold we're waiting for Francis we're waiting for his contract we're all patiently waiting for Jones we don't know what the next thing is for Stipe. We think Stipe is waiting for Jones, but we don't know how long that's going to be. Now with Cyril gone out, that's going to be six months. So it's like literally like the top four, they're paused. It's up to the lower division right now to keep it active because right now it's just, we don't know what's going to happen in that division. Mm-hmm. We don't know anything. And so um, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's on a solid pause right now. And I just, time will tell. Yeah, it's kind of lame, too, because heavyweight is a division that a lot of people really like to watch. They're watching big yeah. knockouts. You know, the baddest man on the planet is, you know, the best heavyweight. And we just have been stripped away from watching these fights and been stuck with old Derek Lewis fights, you know? Yeah. And it's like, not what I want to see. Um, yeah. So, you know, a little upsetting about the heavyweight division. I was also upset with Ty losing as well. I'm a huge Ty fan. But at the end of the day, I think Ty is not any weaker because of this fight. If anything, it showed that he is stronger uh, to me. And I think that he will come back stronger than ever. So, yeah, Paris was definitely really fun. Tori, today, a fight got announced officially. Officially, this fight got announced. Dustin the Diamond versus Michael Iron Chandler is going to be happening at UFC 281. So excited. Madison Square Garden, New York City. I mean, I love Dustin. He's one of my favorite fighters. He always has been. Uh, And man, I I was so hyped for UFC 280. I'm like, oh, UFC 280. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Still I am. But UFC 281 is, in my opinion, low-key a little better right now. It's just low-key. You know, I am very excited for Charles Islam, but this fight right here just set it over the edge for me. Um, Tori, what are your thoughts on this fight, just as it is right now? Well, if anyone knows me, they know that Dustin is, I always say, favorite fighter, but Dustin is, at the heart, my favorite fighter of all time. I mean, he was the first fight I watched in the UFC. I've been to two of his events live. He, he just has a very, very special place in my heart. I am so, so excited to see him fight Michael Chandler. This is kind of an early prediction, also kind of biased, whatever. I have Dustin winning just in a variety of ways I could explain later, but it's going to be an all-out war. But the I think people are kind of expecting this to be like Gaethje versus Chandler. I think it's going to be more one-sided than that. Um, I just think Dustin overall is more technical. 
than Gaethje is. I think he's more well-rounded. He's more willing to use more of his mixed martial arts, mix in maybe some of his wrestling, which he doesn't have great wrestling, but he is a black belt in jujitsu. I think he's willing to take it to the floor. I think Dustin takes it. I think overall he's more technical. The most dangerous round in this fight for Dustin is going to be that first round. So as long as he gets past that first round with Chandler, I think he takes it all the way. Kind of a little early breakdown. Dustin's just my favorite. I am so excited for this. this my smile was from cheek to cheek when I saw that. I was like, no way. So I'm pumped. Yeah, I'm very excited. And, you know, you mentioned Michael Chandler and, like, he did beat Tony Ferguson. Crazy knockout. But he lost that first round. I mean, yeah. Tony Ferguson, old man Tony, was beating him pretty bad in the first round. And then he came back. And it's so weird because these fighters almost have very similar, like, recent fights. You know, uh, Chandler beat Dan Hooker. And then he lost Oliveira. Then he loses to Gaethje. Dustin had lost Oliveira. He beat McGregor. He beat McGregor. Then Dan Hooker. So he's kind of they're kind of in the same boat where they're like beating top guys, losing the top guys. So it's such a good fight, and it's a grudge match. I mean, these guys yeah. don't like each other. So yeah. it's gonna. Oh my goodness, it's gonna be such an exciting yeah. fight. That it's gonna be fireworks. Uh, the whole UFC. 282 is just going to be awesome and I'm very excited and overall I mean it's just me but I think personally I think Dustin gave Charles his hardest test in terms of championship fights I mean that first round he was beating him up more than Chandler was he definitely gave him the hardest test he's the one that lasted the longest with Oliveira in the octagon he's beat Gaethje before I just I just think it lines up well I'm just I'm also very biased because I'm a diamond fan till the day I die but I just think it lines up more in Dustin's way I'm just very excited, but you never, they're both such insane fighters and they're both brawlers. So whoever wins props them, it's going to be an amazing fight. I'm so, so, so excited. Yeah. I'm also very, very excited for that fight. Another fight, big fight got announced for 282. Darren Till, the gorilla versus Drikus Duplessis, uh, number 11th guy fighting number 12 guy. What do you think about this fight, Tori? I'm excited to see Till fight again. I mean, in the past couple of years, he's had five fights fall through. Um, and some, when he has come back, I mean, he did lose to, I believe, was it, I'm getting the names mixed up. I believe it was Brunson. He lost like about a year ago. I believe it was Derek Brunson. And then um, he's just been very on and off. So, I mean, I'm happy to see him back in the octagon. Hopefully he can get a win because a win for both fighters is very, very, very crucial for their contention in the division. So, I mean, whoever loses, it's kind of going to be like a, oh, like, do you belong up here anymore? Or do you even belong? Did you ever belong up there? So it's going to be exciting. And I mean, if you could remind me, Alex, when is it scheduled for? Is there a set time or a set date for this? It is at UFC 282. Oh, it's at you. Oh, wow. Wow. I'm excited. Yeah. For, it's We have some very exciting cards coming up. I'm very excited. Wow. Yeah. Very exciting card. You know, it's kind of sad because I'll give, I guess, I didn't really give a lot of opinion on the last fight. I guess I'll give some opinion on this fight. Yeah. I love Darren Till, and I think UFC is kind of killing him here. I, I'm, I'm maybe an early prediction, but I think he might lose. He's 29. He showed a lot of glimpses of hope that he could be good earlier in his career. You know, obviously the Kevin Gaslam fight. Um, but he, you know, like he lost to Whitaker, hard opponent. Derek Brunson maybe not his hard opponent, but still, yeah, a well-veteran fighter. 
And, you know, a third loss in a row versus uh, Duplessis, I don't know what that's going to do for his career. And, I mean, no disrespect to Duplessis. I think he's great. One of the best prospects right now in the UFC. But it's just like, uh, you know, it kind of stinks because if you really like a guy like the gorilla Darren Till, it kind of stinks. Obviously, he could win. Obviously, that's not my final prediction. But it's kind of looking like that's what UFC wants to do. And I wonder why that's like their move. But, hey. You never know. Yeah, it's it's hard just because, I mean, you see the hope and you see how he wants to fight. And it's just everyone loves – there's no one that doesn't like Darren Till. He's – hilarious i mean i love watching his interviews i love watching him inside the octagon so you know what i'm praying for him you never know we can see different till a new and improved so i'm excited yeah i am also excited something else that if you would have asked me a month ago if i was excited i would have been like eh, i guess maybe kind of not really and now if you ask me right now if i'm excited i am excited for ufc 278 right? Two, seven, yeah, 279. UFC 279. UFC 279. You can tell how excited I am, right? <laughs> uh, I think it's going to be a great card. Las Vegas, very excited. And let's just get right into our breakdowns and predictions of this card. We're still only going to do prelims and main card. On this card, there wasn't any really big notable uh, early prelims. I actually think there was a uh Darren Weeks. I don't even know. Yeah. I think there might have been a name I knew on there. But besides that, it was nobody I really knew. So nothing to really break down. So we're gonna start right on the prelims, give you our breakdown and predictions all the way up to the main card. First fight, Chris Barnett taking on Jake Collier. Collier. Guys, these names are hard. These prelim names are pretty difficult too. So I'm going to say that every podcast, even if the names are super easy, I'm saying they're always hard. Yeah. They're hard names. Uh, I got to get my reps in. So I'll have them by like the next like five podcasts, but uh, very excited for this fight because Chris Barnett, he's that dude. Uh, But also Jake is also that dude. So Tori, give me your breakdown on this fight and who you have winning. All right. So we have Collier. He's 13, seven and Oh, he's five and three with knockouts, four and one submissions in his past five fights. He has been two and three. He did just lose by split decision to Arvlosky. Um, a pretty close fight, but Arvlosky ended up taking the win. Then we have Chris Barnett, the dancing queen. He um, is 22-8, and 17-3 with knockouts, 0-1 with submissions, 3-2 and two last five fights. Last fight did lose by UD to Birdday. And so both these fighters are kind of on and off. Um, fun fact about Collier, if you didn't know, so this man was a welterweight and a middleweight. And now he's a super weight. Like this man's kind of big. So, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a big jump up from 170. It's almost a, literally almost 100 pounds. Like that's kind of crazy. Anyway, so um, we have Chris Barnett, very durable, um, not great cardio. And obviously he has that crazy spinning wheel kick that we all know and love. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the biggest things is Chris Barnett is 5'9 and Collier is 6'3 and their difference in reach is kind of significant. So that might be a problem. But Collier is a good boxer, a pretty good striker, um, throws good straight shots, always kind of picks apart the legs. He does have the range advantage and overall over the three rounds, I hate to say it, but I just think he's kind of going to 
wear down Barnett and just kind of, I mean, as you would say, and I'm not even sure if this is possible in heavyweight, but kind of pick him apart. You know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. tap him and tap him and tap him. Um, and so I'm saying Collier by unanimous decision. These two, but I'm excited. These two are some, some big dudes. This is a big heavyweight fight, and they're both kind of sloppy kickboxers. So, I mean, I just think it's going to be a brawl, and I think it's going to be entertaining. So I'm excited. Yeah, I am also very excited for this fight. You know, you mentioned the height, and I do think that is a big thing to mention. Something else I want to mention, you know, Barnett, great power, surprisingly athletic. You wouldn't look at the guy and think he's athletic, and he is. But his one of his big flaws besides his height, and we saw it in his last fight, is that he doesn't do good with pressure. No. And Or if things get wild, he just – he locked up. And it was really sad because I was like, oh, yeah, Barnett's fighting tonight. He's going to be yeah. one of the next big the UFC prospects. And yeah. then he, like, lost pretty embarrassingly. Uh, Collier, on the other hand, good technique, good forward pressure, good volume striking. He's even shown he can re- wrestle if he needs to. Yeah. Uh, he's not necessarily a wrestling guy by any means. And I just don't see Barnett being able to handle that pressure, especially with knowing that he has that distance. The only thing is, if he can't handle that pressure for just a second, just just yeah. a hair, he has that knockout power. He's, he's live for a knockout. With that being said, I'm still going to go Collier. Uh, I, I will be rooting for Barnett. I think everybody's going to be rooting for Barnett. I don't yeah, imagine... Jiggle and do his little jig at the end of the fight. Like, who yeah. doesn't want to see that? <laughs> like, exactly. I think yeah. we all do want to see that. And I think I can say that for another fight on this card that's much, much, much later. Um, but I will be cheering for Barnett, but I got to go Collier here. Um, so, oh, go. well. Next fight. Oh, boy. Let's see if I can do it. Jamie Pickett. Easy name. Good name. Makes me want to pick him just because his name. Yeah. Versus Dennis, I've also heard Denny, uh, Tuluin, Tuluin. I believe so. Yeah, I have Tuluin written down. So Tuluin. There we go, Tori. Give me your breakdown and predictions on this fight. Just to save some struggle, I think I'm a. We already introduced them. I'm gonna say Dennis. So Denise or Dennis, I'll stick with Dennis. So we have Dennis, who is ten and six, and oh, he is eight. And one with knockouts, 0 oh, and three with submissions. He's three to his past last five fights, and his last fight he did lose by second round submission. Then we have Jamie Pickett, who is 13, 7, and 0, oh, 9 and 1 with knockouts, also 0 oh, and 3 with submissions, and 2 and 3 in his last five fights. Last fight he did lose by a submission as well from Dawkins. So um these two fairly, fairly similar records. I mean, kind of similar stats as well. So this is not gonna be a grappling match, it's gonna be a striking match right off the bat right off the bat, right off the bat. Um, we have Pickett. He definitely has the range advantage. Um, he fights very good from the kickboxing range, and he's kind of a tricky southpaw. Whereas Hululin, mm. he, when he's as best, he's in the clinch. Close range fighting is kind of where he lands his most significant shots, and I think he's going to have a hard time doing that against a longer guy like Pickett. Um, Pickett just needs to keep his distance because if not, Dennis will catch him in that clinch and might clip in. But um, Tululin, Dennis, has a really good overhand that Pickett's also going to have to watch out for if he does stay in that closer range. But um, I just overall think 
Pickett has more variety when it comes to striking. And I just think his length and I just overall think he's more athletic. And so I'm going to go pick it by UD. So this morning around 11, 12 o'clock Ohio time, if you would have asked me who wins this fight, I would have said Jamie Pickett as well. But the more I really research this fight, I got to go with Till Lewin. And I'll tell you why. Now, you make a great point, which is one of my biggest points for when I was picking Pickett. He's southball. He is very, not is he only southball, but he's very good at keeping his range. And he's very technical with this striker. And I love picking a technical striker. Yeah. But if you look at Pickett's recent fights, he just does not throw with a lot of volume. And that is that really worries me because you have a guy who's great at keeping distance and he's a very good striker, but he's just not coming in with value. Whereas he's fighting Dennis and this dude's a headhunter. Yeah. Headhunter, volume striker, likes to get in bar fights, scrap, good power. That's what you're getting out of him. So for me, it's usually I always pick the technical striker over the scrappy guy. And that's how it is. That's how you should make your picks. Usually the technical guy is going to beat the scrappy guy every single time. And I do still think that that is the case, except in this case, Jamie Pickett's volume output worries me. So Pickett should be the pick. Well, we'll play on words there. Yeah. <laughs> but I am going to go with the underdog. This is my underdog pick. I'm going to Lewin. Uh, I just think that that he's not going to be able to deal with that volume striking. He's not going to be volume striking. And it might be a knockout. Dennis does suck at wrestling, and Jamie isn't bad. So maybe he even uses that. Pickett uses yeah. that for his advantage. But if I'm, if I'm watching the first round, maybe if you're a better and you want to bet after the first round, if I watch that first round and Pickett doesn't throw crap, I'm putting – a bet on Dennis in that fight. But uh I, I've been going both ways on this fight. It's a pretty hard fight for me. But I uh I go Dennis to two blue in at the end of the day. Oh, there we go. Yeah. I mean that is a good point in his last fight about not having much output. I mean just not as much volume. Um you got me thinking now. Like you just you just made a good you just made a really good point. I'm like, oh I don't know. I was looking at some of Tulin's last fights, and he he definitely is a head under. He's a brawler. So, I mean, you never know. I, I think I'm going to stay with Pickett for now, but a little less Pickety than I was. Yeah, it's a, it's a hard fight. It's definitely a hard yeah. fight. Um, On to the next fight, I also think is a very hard fight. These Speaking of things, you know, I wasn't excited for this card, UFC 279, that I called UFC 278 earlier. You know – I, I don't want, I don't know any of these prelim guys really necessarily. I knew Barnett. I knew some other names. But when you really research these prelim fights, I'm like, man, these are actually really good prelim fights. Yeah. I'm very excited for some of these prelim fights. This is one of them. Jolton Almeida. Mida, Almeida. Yeah. Almeida. Uh, versus Anton Turkalj. And... This is going to be a good fight. I'll I'll start with my breakdown. Um, no, Tori, I'll throw it to you. What do you give me your breakdown on this fight? So first of all, this fight is going to be at catch weight. Um, I do have to double check. Is it going to be? Uh, it's going. To, I don't even know what the catch weight at this fight is going to be. 
You know what the catch weight at this weight? 220, 220 pounds, which Already. technically is heavyweight. Yeah. Because it's, I don't know, it's technically yeah. heavyweight, but it is catch weight 220. So oh, there you cool. go. UFC, UFC saw a catch weight before this card and got excited. They're yeah. like, oh yeah, catch weight's still a thing. Yeah. Let's make a bunch of catch weight fights, something that's usually like rare. Let's just, yeah. uh, let's just sprinkle a couple of them on the I know. DS card. We'll throw some in. <laughs> yeah, it makes but sense, know. you know. But um, so first we have Almeida, kind of a newer prospect coming off of the Dana White contender series. 16-2-0, 6-1 with knockouts, 10-0 with submissions, and 5-0 and in his last five fights. His last fight, he had a round one submission against Porter, and he looked great. And then we have Turkalj, right? Turkalj, I believe. Um, 8-0, undefeated, 5-0 with knockouts, 2-0 submissions, 5-0 last fights. It's coming off the Dana White Contender Series. This is going to be his UFC, like actual UFC debut fight. Um, his last fight was on the Contender Series. He did have a unanimous decision win against Dos Santos. Kind of talking about that, um, I think – I'm going to go Almeida in this fight. They're both grapplers, but the main difference is Almeida is more of a violent offensive grappler, whereas Anton, in my opinion, is more of a – like, I'm not even really defensive, but he more just kind of holds his opponents in place. Great point. Rather than trying to move on to the next position, blah, blah, blah. And so that's kind of the main difference. Um, and Anton, like I said before, good at controlling submissions. He does definitely have the ability to submit people – Pretty good stand-up, not great, but good. Um, but he's not very dangerous when he is on the floor. Whereas Almeida has great Brazilian jiu-jitsu, amazing. He will take you to the mat and just destroy you, ground and pound, and just hit you and hit you and hit you. And then his last opponent, he completely just sparked them out. I mean, he looked amazing and just held him down. And even on the Dana White Contender Series, he looked great. So my pick for this fight is going to be Almeida round two submission. I think that's what I'm going for. Yeah. There you go. Good, really good breakdown, Tori. It's Battle of the Prospects. And you've got to love Battle of the Prospects because at the end of the day, it really doesn't hurt either career because they're both just prospects. So it's they're not gonna get cut after one fight, usually anyway. Looking at Almeida, you mentioned his wrestling. He averages 6.27 takedowns a fight, looks for the submission, sometimes from ground to pound ground and pound. Um and he is a very aggressive wrestler. Anton, he has striking. And that's kind of like another thing that like makes this fight so hard to pick. He has that kind of Kevin Holland-esque striking, actually. It's just really cool, entertaining, spinning attacks. has good volume. He also had 11 takedowns in his last fight. It's crazy, yeah. 11. Um, very crazy. Uh, so, you know, you got that diverse striking with the great wrestling, my favorite combo. You'll hear me talk yeah. about it until the day I die. Um, both guys are technically light heavyweights battling at heavyweight. That's called a catch weight. Really weird. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go Jolton. I think his cardio is going to be a little better. And you mentioned that he's kind of just a go wrestler and yeah. he's, he's kind of taking shots, chain wrestling as offensive wrestler which is a really good point uh and i think with his good cardio i think it's going to help him a little more but this is a really hard fight to pick for me um knowing that anton does have that striking and knowing that i haven't seen almeida deal with a lot of intense striking 
So it really depends on where this match goes. Even if it goes to the ground, I'm not necessarily really confident in Almeida just because he got a takedown because yeah. uh, Turgalov has shown that he's a good wrestler too. So it's a hard pick. I am going to go with Jonathan as well. I agree with the pick there, Tori. Perfect. So the next fight is Hakeem Dawadu versus Julian Erosa. Hakeem has great forward pressure, real knockout power, whether it comes from his strikes, his counter strikes, he has good leg kicks. He's also very technical defensively. He's coming off a great win where he showed how good his striking is. It's basically his thing. Like he, it's, a, it's, a, it's a striking match. He's very good at striking. Uh, he's fighting Julian, also a really good striker. Throws haymakers, loves to chase the finish. His defense isn't good, but he's shown that he can stay in the fire. Kind of like a tattoo of Asa situation where, you know, he says, you know, we're like, yeah, his chin's good, but we don't know. And then we yeah. saw Ty eventually get clipped. So it's like, that's kind of how I feel about this guy, Julian, here. Uh, he's got okay BJJ. I think Hakeem is a safe and easy pick. Uh, I'm very excited to see how he does. Julian struggles with his defense. Hakeem has shown that he's a technical striker. This is an example where I'm kind of picking the technical striker over the haymaker guy. Uh, and I also don't trust Julian's chin, and I think it might get exposed to Saturday, and I say he loses by knockout. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to have to agree with you. It's sometimes hard in these matches not to choose a technical striker, especially when their opponent will leave so many openings, and that just leaves so many more opportunities for them to just get in and out multiple times and just clip them and almost until they fall kind of with like we saw with Kai Tuivasa versus gone so I'm gonna agree with you on this one and I'm gonna go with Hakeem I'll say I'll say like round I'll say mid round three knockout kind of specific there we go <laughs> so that is all of our prelim fights only one disagreement and it's a tough one it's a tough match yeah too. Um, a lot of good, exciting prelims. I genuinely am very excited for it. I will be watching them. I always watch them, even if I'm not excited for them, too. So, yeah, you gotta watch these new prospects, right? But on to the main card. Uh, there's besides the main event, which I'm like excited for now, but as in terms of like UFC down the future, I could care less because this fight does nothing for anybody. Um, there are two fights that I'm very excited for because I actually do think it does stuff for the future of fighters opening with the first fight johnny walker versus eon kutalaba i'm very excited for this fight i'll say the other fight when we get to it tori i'll throw it over to you give me your breakdown and predictions on this fight all righty so we have the number 13 ranked johnny walker you know the man with the moves i mean he's gonna be 18 7 and oh he's 14 and 4 with knockouts two and one with submissions and one in four in his last five fights. As we do know, his last fight, he did lose by a round one knockout to Hill. Previous fight before that, lost by unanimous decision to Santos. Had a win against Ryan Spann, not too dominant, and then he did lose to Nikita Krylov before that. And then we have Kutalaba, the Hulk, 16-7-1, and 12-2 with knockouts, 2-3 and three with submissions, 1-3-1 and one in his past five fights. In his last fight, he did have a loss by round one submission to Spann. So um, for this fight, it's kind of, it was hard for me to pick, um, but it's just, I mean, Walker, he hasn't really looked the same since that Anderson fight. I mean, in his past last fights, Krylov out-wrestled him. 
he beat Span, but he got dropped in that fight. Um, and then in Santos versus Hill, he was he just looked like scared. And I mean, people are now calling him Johnny Glass Chin Walker, and I kind of feel bad. And then we have the Hulk, not great cardio. He's a pretty good wrestler. Um, and if he wants to take this fight, I believe he should take Walker down. And if but the thing is, the Hulk's kind of like a one-round fighter. So if Walker can get past that first round, I think he could kind of pick him apart and maybe win by decision. Um, but that's kind of how I see it going. It's it's very iffy. Um, Hulk's very, very, very dangerous in the first round. So I think I'm going to go Walker. If Walker can make it past that first round, I think he can kind of find his ways because he is the better striker between the two, and I think he can pick the Hulk apart. But he's just so inconsistent, it's hard to tell. So I don't know. I, you know what? I think I might switch up. I think I might go Hulk for this one by knockout. <laughs> there you go. I switched up my prediction mid breakdown. Like I was kind of confident, but I was talking about more. I think I'm going to go Hulk by knockout for this fight. Yeah. And, you know, maybe after your breakdown, people might be like, Alex, why are you so excited for this fight? Tori made it seem like they're a bunch of dumpster fire fighters. No, they're That's not. True. I promise. No, I mean, it, 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 I said this earlier this week. It's the battle of the woulda, coulda, shouldas. It yes. genuinely, that's it how I would describe this fight. They're fighting for the woulda, coulda, shoulda belt. Yeah. The reason I am excited for this fight is because this is how UFC should book fights. You know, I was talking about the Darren Till fight earlier that just got booked yesterday uh, versus um, Duplessis. That's a fight where. Darren Till is at his Johnny Walker phase in his career. He's at his Eon Kutalaba yeah. part of his career. Sure. And I think he's going to get in and get knocked out. And then he's going to have to go down the road of what it could have showed us. But yeah. if you put two what it could have showed us together, whichever one wins still has some glimpses of hope. And that's how yeah. you actually should book these fights. So that's my little side tangent. Because they could now. If they the win, truth, they could. They could reach yeah, it. Exactly. Because <laughs> the truth is, you know, looking at Johnny Walker, I'll go first. Fun striking, spinning kicks, good power. However, however, he hasn't been good in a long time. And I blame that on SPG Ireland. That's where he yeah. started training. And as soon as he started training there, he's just low volume conservative strikers. Yeah. And you got to hate to see when a gym kind of messes up. Yeah, a fighter. I mean, that's what I'm blaming it on. You look at uh, Kutalaba, good grappler, good power uh, in his hands. He doesn't mind staying in the pocket. Uh, Chases a knockout every now and then, but mainly just kind of is a pocket fighter. uh, But grappling. Uh, In his last loss, he got through. Uh, wait, what am I? What did I say here? My notes. Kutalaba in his last loss got three takedowns, and then. His last win, I'm pretty sure he won the fight. He got three takedowns, and no, he lost, but he got three takedowns, and he got submitted. I wrote my notes weird. I uh, don't know how to do English, so I got really confused. But he got three takedowns. The whole point is dude can grapple uh, and strike if he needs to, Um, so he's more of a grappler. Battle of the woulda, coulda, shouldas. Johnny Walker is probably the better fighter. Do we agree in this statement that overall Johnny Walker is probably better? I 1,000% do. I think he's a better striker. Um, He has very tricky shots. He's kind of hard to figure out, and he's long, too, so his range is definitely going to be an advantage, but he's just been so inconsistent. That's the thing. I'm kind of switching my mind. The the chin going away. I mean, it's it's really going away. That's what I'm saying. I I 100% agree. I think Johnny Walker, in terms of MMA fighting, is the better mixed martial artist. 
but I can't look past his fa- past three fights. I have to look at these three yeah. fights as a, as an analyst and say, no, I can't yeah. pick him over Kutalaba. I hope he wins, uh, but if Kutalaba comes in with good grappling and maybe even squares him up a bit and Johnny Walker looks the same as he has his last few fights, he's not winning. No, no shot. Yeah, no. And it's just – yeah, it's so sad to see these fighters, and it's crazy because I was kind of thinking Walker. I was like, maybe Walker by decision if he gets past that first round. But the more I was kind of talking about it out loud, the more I was like, mm, maybe not. Like maybe not because sometimes power does outweigh technique in terms of the situations that Walker has been in recently. He's such a fun dude, but it's such a good guy as well. It's just hard. So yeah, I'm going. I'm going the Hulk. I mean, the guy's named the Hulk. Yeah, it's just I'm, I have to go with him for this fight. There we go. In the battle of the opening main card, what it could have showed about, we are picking the Hulk. Uh, yeah. Next fight, Irene Aldana versus Macy Chison. Uh, very exciting female uh, bout yeah. here. I don't know if I want it as a main card fight, but it's fine. It's it's still an exciting fight, Tori. Give me a breakdown on this fight. Alrighty, so we have Aldana, who is number four, ranked in the Bantamweight division. She is 13, 6-0, 7-2 with knockouts, 3-0 with submissions, and 3-2 in her last five fights. Um, her last fight, she had a win by a round one knockout against Kudiskaya. Kudiskaya. I always have a problem pronouncing her last name. Kudiskaya, I believe. Um, but she does have kind of a dominant loss to Holly Holm on her record not too long ago. And then we have Chia Son, who's kind of a newer upcoming contender. Also, Tall girls rise up. She, I think she, this girl is about like 5'11", 6 foot, which I like seeing taller women in MMA just because you never really see it. So right. yeah, she's I'm, I'm fairly a draft myself. So I like seeing taller people in the octagon. Anyways, she's number 10 in the Bantamweight division. She is nine and two, three and oh with knockouts, two and one with submissions and three and two in the last five fights. Last fight, she did have a win by split decision to Dumont. And then previous to that, I believe she had a loss to Pennington by round two submission. Um, I really want to go with Chiasan. I I do, but in this fight, I'm going to have to go with the number four ranked Aldana. She has such crisp striking. She's very good in the clinch, a good boxer, very strong, has good power, is very quick. And I just think overall she's going to pick Chiasan apart. I mean, if Chiasan wants to win this fight and overall take it, I, she has to take Aldana to the mat. She isn't the best striker. Um, doesn't use her va- her range very well, and she just needs to stay in that clinch if she wants to either stay standing and beat her because it's just this is a hard fight to call. But um, I think I'm gonna go Aldana, and I think I have her by decision. So yeah, there you go. It it is a hard fight to call. I agree. I'll get my breakdown. You know, Irene, very technical boxer. Yeah. Um, great boxer. Uh, great power. Uh, keeps her pace, um, keeps the fight standing, 84% takedown defense. Uh, like I mentioned, she's a great striker. She has been sized up before, Yeah, she's shown that she can she can handle it. Macy, you mentioned she's tall, long, uh, got a good Muay Thai background. She tries to keep her distance, use her length, but she has struggled with it, uh, but not necessarily an awful striker. She's also added grappling to her bag, though. Yeah. On the surface, I see why Irene is the favorite, but I don't agree. I'm gonna go Macy, and uh, I I can see Macy beating Irene the same way Holly Holmes did, 
where she managed distance because she's got that height and she yeah. can use it well, manage distance and look for takedowns and look for grappling. And I think I know if Macy does that, she will win um, and get the upset. I, I obviously I understand um, Irene is an excellent boxer. And if Irene's game plan works out well and she can stick to the, her 84% takedown defense and good boxing, I know you said decision, but I think I could see a knockout. I mean, I could see Irene winning. Yeah. She's very, very good. She's strong, too. But Very, very good power. Yeah, very good power. But Holly Holmes did set out the key to beat Irene. And if Macy follows that, I think she can win it. So I'm going to go with Macy here. That's a good pick, yeah. And in terms of knockout, like for Aldana, I'm – I'm st- I am scared just because of how much bigger Chiesona is going to be, but I just, I've seen her past fights and just her distance management can get a little awkward at times and she sometimes uh, yeah, sure. use it. And so that's why I think I'm, I'm staying with Aldana for this one. I, I honestly think, I think she's just going to pick at her because she doesn't want to go in the clinch with her because I mean, Chiesona is actually fairly successful within the clinch. So I just think as long as she kind of dances around with her footwork and it kind of stays the outside of the octagon, I think, I think she can get it. I think she can get the win. So, there you yeah. go. So we'll move on from this fight. A lot of disagreements here, Tori. This is like the most we've ever disagreed ever. And First I kinda, time, yeah. I kind of love it. I I I kind of like me. it. Yeah. Um. So the next fight, uh, very excited. This is the other fight that I mentioned. Uh, that I'm excited for. That actually does stuff in terms of the UFC. Kevin Holland taking on Daniel Rodriguez. Tori, give me a breakdown. Give me your prediction. Maybe we'll agree on this one. Yeah. So um, this fight's taking place at 180. It's going to be taking place at another catchweight belt. We have Kevin Holland, as we all know and love the crime fighter. This man, just really quick, he's basically a police officer on like his outer life because all he's doing is just stopping crime. It's it's kind of crazy. Yeah. And so we have Kevin Holland, who is 23-7-0, with knockouts, 8-2 submissions. He is 2-2-1 two and two and one in his last five it's his last fight he was a win by second round submission against means and then previous was his welterweight debut i believe which was a win by second round knockout against Oliveira, not the charles Oliveira we all know and love cowboy anyways then we have rodriguez 16 2 and 0 8 and 0 8 and 0 with knockout 4 and 0 submissions 4 and 1 in his last five fights his last fight he had a dominant win by unanimous decision against kevin lee previous fight a win by um Round one knockout to Parsons, and then he also has another very dominant win against Mike Perry on his record. I am just going to right off the bat, I don't love to say it. This is one of those things where I'm rooting for Kevin Holland. I'm rooting for him. I want him to win, but I don't necessarily believe that he will. Uh Um, Rodriguez is just so good. He's beat so many people. He literally destroyed Mike Perry and Kevin Lee in those fights. He's going to want to strike, and this man is coming to fight. He's not going to just stand there and kind of go in and out. Like, he's going to fight you. You're in a fight with him. You're going to be in a fight. And he's just so fast and clean with his punches overall. And um, he has okay jujitsu, so that could be a problem potentially. And he's never been finished. But then Kevin Holland, I mean, for him to win, I think he has to use his leg kicks and kind of just go for that cap and just keep on hurting him and hurting him, then eventually take him down. Kevin Holland is very tricky hands, and he has a really good submission game. 
but I think it's going to be really hard to hurt Rodriguez. I just don't like to say it, but I I have Rodriguez winning. I'm not even sure how. I don't see he's going to knock him out, but I see him taking this at the end of the night. And I don't even have a for sure prediction on how, but I just think he's going to be the better fighter in the octagon. Interesting. Very interesting. You know, you look at Kevin Holland, accurate, precise power puncher. Um, his his grappling isn't bad, but his takedown defense is horrific. I mean, he is so god-awful at yeah. defending the takedown. I don't know why he can't, like, learn a sprawl. We saw or, him or in something. Marvin and Derek Brunson fight. It was hard <laughs> to watch. I mean, dude cannot. Dude can't. His takedown defense isn't good. No. means it's going to be a striking match because Danny Rodriguez is also a good striker. You look at Kevin Holland, though, and I mentioned, you know, he's, he's takedown defense isn't good. Got taken down twice in his last fight, but then he submitted his opponent in the third round. His grappling isn't awful. So it's kind of weird to see somebody who's like kind of good at grappling that like can't like keep the fight standing. That's also a good striker who wants to win by striking. But hey, there you go. Daniel Rodriguez, good boxer. Some might call him a dirty boxer. That term has been a little newer to the UFC. Uh, Not much to offer on the ground. The fight's not probably going to go to the ground. Great cardio, great power. Uh, he doesn't chase the head all the time, uh, but he likes to put holes in the gas tank for sure. Um, it's going to be a fun fight to watch because we really get to see how good of a striker is Kevin Holland. Yeah. You know, everybody says he's a good striker. This is the best striker Kevin's ever fought. Um, we've seen him take some power punches before, and I, I, I think – that Kevin Holland is just stronger. Yeah. And that's why I'm going to take him. It's so hard. Listen, I'm not going to argue with anybody who takes Dana Rodriguez. If you're taking Dana yeah. Rodriguez, let me know in the comments. I ain't going to argue with you. It's a great yeah. pick. I'm going to go Kevin Holland and strictly because I don't think he's necessarily the better striker, definitely the more diverse striker, but not the better striker. Um, but just purely off of strength, this fight's at that catch weight at 180. Uh, so he's going to have a little bit of an advantage just size-wise. Uh, and I'm going to go Holland. So we're disagreeing some more, Tori. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm going to go along with what you said. I won't even be massively yet. It's, I'm, it's, I kind of have Rodriguez by, like, a hair. It's, it was hard to pick this fight. I just kind of had to compare the two. Um, I, if I wanted to, I could explain why I think Holland would win or why I think – like, I could kind of explain both ways. Both ways. But for now, just for the logical reason for myself, I think I'm just going to go Rodriguez as my pick. But Holland's just right beneath there. But I'm, I kind of, I want Holland to win. Like I'm like, I, I want him to win. I'd rather him win the Rodriguez. But I have Rodriguez winning. Yeah, it's good. It's going to be a very entertaining fight. Whoever wins, hopefully. I mean, it's going to be a striking match. So, who doesn't like a striking fat match? It's yeah. one for the casuals, Tori. It's one it's for the casuals. Casual. And hey, we need that sometimes. So I'm yeah, hundred percent. It's gonna be a good fight. A fight that I'm not excited for. The weakest co-main fight on an eighty dollar pay per view that I've seen all year. That I've seen in my whole entire UFC life is this is the weakest co-main. Mind you, I love the fight, but this is a co-main on on a pay per view. So hey. Take it for what it is. Uh, I'm so excited. It should be a great fight, nonetheless. But I'm not. Yeah. I'm like, why is this the fight? Li Jingliang taking on 
Tony Ferguson, uh, the boat is what he called himself today in the press conference. Best of all time. Never heard that term before. Uh, there, there you go, Tony. But, uh, Tori, give me your breakdown on this coming event. Okay, well, first of all, I'm going to have to kind of disagree with you. I'm kind of excited for this fight. Um, I wasn't at first just because I'm scared for Tony, but I'm a fan of the leech, so I'm kind of excited. Okay, um, don't don't get a twist. Don't get a twist. I'm not... <laughs> not excited for the fight but as a co-main as a co-main yeah card there's not even any titles on the card to begin with and you're putting yeah tony ferguson versus the late i don't know i'm it's better than walker because like wasn't johnny walker the co-main for about like a month i was like oh yeah no that would have been that would have been rough that would have been rough that would have been rough so i mean at least we have tony ferguson at least that's that's that yeah so going off of that we have the leech G Jing Liang, 19-7-0, with knockouts, four and two submissions, three and two in his last five fights. His last fight, he had a crazy knockout win against, I be, believe it's Salikov. And then obviously we know the fight before that, he got picked up and shown to Dana White by Mr. Hamzat Shumayev. So anyways, <laughs> um, we have Tony Ferguson, who is 26-7-0, 13-2 with knockouts, 8-1 submissions, 1-4 in, in his last five fights. I feel bad. His last fight, brutal, brutal loss to Michael Chandler in the second round. Looked great in the first. Got very much caught in the second with a soccer punt kick. Not even an MMA kick. That man was like kicking a field goal, I swear. It was crazy. And then before that, he has a loss by an decision to Dariush. Then the dominant loss... Um, to Oliver by unanimous decision. His last win was to Donald Cerrone. That was a doctor's stoppage a while ago. This fight, I want to say I have confidence in Tony Ferguson. I really, really do. But it's so hard when he's against a knockout, like almost not knockout king, but a guy with such knockout power as in the leech. I mean, after Tony Ferguson fought Justin Gaethje, he has not been the same. And we saw him get completely cracked his last fight. So that worries me with the guy against Leach because the Leach is so incredibly strong. He has such good kickboxing, knockout power, and he's very good at closing the distance. Um, and Tony doesn't have the best striking defense. He doesn't. He gets clipped. And so Tony's just out of his prime. He's on a four-fight lose streak. And it kind of scares me that he's going up weight. Like, so it just it makes me nervous and i'm scared that his chin isn't recovered it's been what three months since his last fight yes this man's fighting again i just think he's trying to get it out and so i just think the leech is newer i mean the leech it's just hard not to pick him in this fight it's hard not to go with lee jing liang as much as i want to say tony ferguson the leech with his power and his striking i just i really think he's going to test tony's striking and i think he's going to crack him and i i'm going to go second or third round knockout i think this is going to end in a knockout and i think the leech is going to end up victorious at the end of the night and i don't like to say that but yeah yeah very good breakdown uh, um you know you mentioned the power of jingling right like great boxer volume good power right he likes to throw these leg kicks that wear you down and then a big overhand four uh and as good of a striker uh as he is, he has struggled with wrestling. Yeah. Um, that's a thing. You know, Tony Ferguson wrestles sometimes, so maybe Tony Ferguson can get a little wrestling match here. And, I mean, 
tell you, I can't really break down Tony Ferguson. He's one of these guys, it's hard to break down. But if I had to try, very active striker, uses a lot of different techniques, uh, not a lot of power, but he has good volume and pressure. He landed 104 strikes versus Alan Cerrone and 150 versus Anthony Pettis, and neither of those fights saw the third round. Crazy stat. I mean, that's a stat that's hard to believe. And you know, you look at a guy like Tony Ferguson, who literally two years ago, people genuinely said this, and they weren't looked at as if they were crazy. People thought he was going to be Khabib. People really thought that about Tony Ferguson. That's how dominant he was. That curse on that fight, it's real. I swear. Yeah. But he's coming off an awful knockout. And his chin is a huge concern. But even bigger concern to me is his mental health. I mean, why is he in this fight? His wife's even publicly nervous for him, which is like a weird thing, you know, to see. And he looked good today in his interviews and like his questions. He seemed like he his mental health was a little better. We also got last time too. You know, it's just every time he comes up to fight, we're like, he looks better. He, he's just getting older, dude. Like, he's like 38, almost about to be 30. hairline is going back. It, it's it's reaching. Like, it's going <laughs> back to the back of the neck. Like, yeah, it's going it's, back. It's, it's going sad back. to see, but, like, people are making all these excuses. Like, he wasn't in it, blah, blah. He's just out of his prime. I just don't think he can compete with the top of the division, especially in welterweight. And just Lee's – sorry, I cut you off, but just really quick, just Lee's younger, and he has knockout power, and it's just – it's just, it's hard seeing Tony fight. Like, I don't even enjoy when his fights get announced because I'm like, damn it. Like, and I'm like, I don't want to see him face him. I don't want to see him face that. It's just, it's hard. And it's just sad. I wouldn't mind watching him fight Nate Diaz. I wouldn't Thanks. mind that either. Dana could, White. If they piss each other off enough backstage, we could still see it happen at this event. You never know. You never know. But, you, you know, know, that that is a big uh, concern for me. Is his chin huge concern? But why is he fighting, Tori? We talked about this on the very first podcast that we've done together is are you going to retire from the sport or is the sport going to retire you and usually it's more of a slower gradual thing but for tony ferguson it's just like it all hit broke him yeah it's just a gaichi fight yeah he he's really broken and i and i do it is sad to watch and it's like listen i haven't given my pick maybe okay if tony ferguson can grapple maybe he gets the win but besides that i see the dude getting blasted i see another awful Mortal Kombat fatality type knockout and uh you know the league in the win it's just sad it's so sad it's almost like I want to talk more about how sad it is than you know late winning this fight and I don't know I don't know why UFC does that um so recently they've been doing this like this 2022 great year for UFC one of the best yeah. years in recent memory for UFC but the one thing that they've been doing and it's all kind of started since like around Anderson Silva-esque you can even argue back to Chuck Liddell days why do they like kill these legends they're just legend yeah. killers sometimes and it's very upsetting for me um that's how I feel yeah. about Tony so I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the leech as well instead of Tony Ferguson but I think we'll all be cheering for Tony yeah. Ferguson to get a win yeah. here, just like Chris Burnout fight, you know? Yeah. Uh, just like this next fight, Hamzat Shamayev, the serial killer murderer. Kill everybody. Is, 
<laughs> like it, everyone. Crazy. <laughs> the the gangster thug that is Nate Diaz. I mean, I it's just so weird how my emotions have changed. I think this is like in my entire life outside of UFC. This is like the most my emotions have ever changed in my entire life. If you go down on my old TikToks, I one of my only UFC TikToks I have is me hating on the Diaz brothers. I literally said that they don't deserve to fight on main card fights anymore. And now it's to a point where I'm like, I'm like clawing for Nate Diaz to win. Yeah. Like I want him to win so bad. And I'm so emotionally invested into this fight. So it's so weird how my emotions change, but UFC will do that to you. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, sure. So I am very excited for this fight as well. Tori, I'll give it to you. Hamzat Chemaev versus Nate Diaz. Give me a breakdown. Give me your final prediction for this fight. All right. I don't even really think I need to say the records, but I will. I mean, we have Hamzat 11 and 0, 6 and 0 with knockouts, 3 and 0 submissions, 5 and 0 his last fight. We all know he had that absolute war possible fight of the year with Gilbert Burns in his last fight, won by unanimous decision, then had that insane submission in the first round with the legion abu dhabi last year fully just showing him on display to dana white being like look how much better i am than everyone and then we have nathan diaz 21 and 13 four and two with knockouts wow he only has i didn't never only four knockouts but then 13 and one with submissions two and three in his last five fights we all know his last um fight he did lose by national decision to leon edwards the champion it clipped him pretty good in that last round, though. Like, I have to give him that. Like, you, you can't give him that. And he did 1,000%. And so, I don't think I've ever wanted a fighter to win more in my life than this fight. I don't even dislike Hamza Chmaev. Um, I, I'm a fan. Like, he's whatever. I don't really have much of an opinion on him. I've never rooted for someone more in my life. Like, I am, like, literally grabbing onto his leg. Like, Nate Diaz, you've got to win this because... I, like the thing is i don't even really have a reasoning i just think it'd be such a meme if he just won this fight and was like f you ufc i'm leaving and just like i just destroyed your greatest guy like your greatest prospect look who's the best and i just think he drops the sickest one-liner of all time if he wins it and it's just like peace leaves and starts his own fight promotion i don't even really have a breakdown of this fight i mean there's just so many different things that could happen it's just like i don't i don't even know how to talk about this fight i mean we have Hamzat Chimaev versus Nate Diaz I mean I see Hamzat if Nate can get past the first three rounds and not completely bleed out of his face he has if he hops on his back or if he gets into the ground I think he could submit Hamzat but that's if he gets past those dominating three rounds from Hamzat if he survives the amount of pressure and hits he's about to uh, get against Hamza in the first three rounds so if he gets past those first three dude I'm going Nate like I mean like I'll be up on my feet cheering um yeah I I don't even really have a pick I just I want Nate to win so bad like I want him to destroy Hamza and just leave the organization as kind of like a joke because I just think that would be hilarious yeah like that's literally my breakdown for the fight like there's not even much I mean like it is the reason that this fight got me so excited is because i am a what do fights do for the sport fan yeah that's how i am i don't like storybook cinderella fights but that's what this is and i'm all here for it this is a, a change in my life i've turned a new page and i'm here for the storybook telling of this fight uh shamayev is i love 
Hamzat Chamayev. He is the best prospect in the UFC right now by far. I don't even know if we have to call him prospect anymore. But, I mean, everyone likes him too. I feel like I open up Instagram. Well, actually, it used to be I opened up Instagram every day and I saw this dude was training with a new fighter. And I'm like, wow, everybody likes this guy. Until Paula Costa and him got into some beef. But it seems like Hamzat doesn't even really care about the beef. And yeah, I don't even know. If I had to break him down, his wrestling is great. His ground and pound is even better. Very legit hand. Set to fast pace. Has that Khabib-style chain wrestling. In five fights in the UFC, his first four, he only got hit one time. That is crazy. That is actually insane. I'm sorry. That's like, that's crazy. Very insane. And, you know, you mentioned he's coming off a war with Gilbert Burns, uh, where he actually had less strikes. And another thing in that fight is he wouldn't wrestle. Uh, I was watching, I rewatched the fight today. Dude did not want to wrestle in the fight. Dude's a good wrestler, didn't want to wrestle. If I had to guess, I'm assuming he hit him hard and he's like, oh, I can knock him out. And he just wanted to chase that knockout and he didn't want to wrestle. Uh, Not because I think he's a bad wrestler. But if you learned anything from that fight, you learned this dude can fight. He is a warrior. Definitely lived up the expectations. A hundred percent. You look at Nate Diaz, he's a guy who's never changed who he was. He puts on the same show every single time he's touched the mat since like 2014, even before. Uh, And, you know, that's what makes this fight so entertaining. Style-wise, you know, he's high-volume striker, incredible cardio. His age doesn't even worry me a bit. Um, He's got that BJJ black belt, and we've seen submissions in his career just sprinkled all throughout there. Uh, He's good on his back. But he really only likes to use his jiu-jitsu if he gets taken down. Yeah. This fight. Which, yeah. <laughs> um, and look, I think we all know Chamayev wins. Like, yeah. if we're looking at it on paper, nobody's not picking Chamayev. But we're all rooting for Diaz. I mean, I don't know anyone who I don't know anyone who wants to see Hamzat kill Diaz, except maybe Dana White. Like, yeah. I don't know a single person that's like, man, I hope Chamayev kills him. It's like no, I mean, everybody wants Diaz to win. And, yeah, we mentioned, hey, Diaz did put Leon on skates. I don't know. But Hamzat's just a different beast. And I'm hoping for an entertaining fight. I- I've talked to people, and they're like, it'll be over in the first round, if not the first or second. I don't think it will. I don't either. I really don't think it does either. And if it does hit three rounds, Tori, I'm right with you where I'm like, dude, yeah. Diaz has a chance. I'm going to be – Grabbing everybody in my room. Diaz has yeah, a chance. Yeah, I know. Diaz has a chance. Exactly. And, and, like, he has such great cardio. Like, I mean, how could you – and the thing – the one thing that worries me, though, is he can't get hit too much in the first couple rounds because, as we saw against Jorge Masvidal, this man has so many cuts on his face that just tend to open up and just – he looks like a zombie. And that's kind of why he – that fight got stopped with him and, him and Masvidal because of the face and the swelling, blah, blah, blah. So he just has to kind of like use his defense a lot. And I can but, I, I mean, can see that happening in this fight yeah, too. That's I mean what that I was DS say. scar that's tissue is like not great. Not good. This is not gangster. Like that's that's not holding up. Like yeah, it's it, not good. But it's that's also what scares me is that just it might get stopped due to that, which would be horrible. I mean, whatever. But I just I don't think I've ever wanted someone to win more. Just because I think like this fight, I don't know if you're the same, but it's almost like a stress reliever. Because I'm not even really, I won't be completely sad if Diaz lose because I like, I, I expect it. But I like, either way, there's not really like, it affects me. Because, it, oh, if Nate wins, like, I'm going to be on cloud nine. 
Like I'm going to, everyone I think is going to be like, wow, what just happened? Whereas if he loses, I don't think we're going to be surprised. I don't think it's going to really affect us that much just because we kind of see it coming. So this fight's almost like a stress reliever. I don't know. It's just like a fun, like a fun fight to watch and for the fans. And I'm excited. Yeah. You know, real weird thing that this is not for the analytic people who watch our videos, but I was thinking, I was like, all on the point of what you're saying, I'm like, you know, if Diaz loses, it's going to be fine either way. He'll put his gloves down. He'll give Joe Rogan a good speech and he'll leave. But then I was thinking about it. And Tori, I'm interested. Does Nate Diaz leave his gloves in the ring or in the octagon? Does he want to even talk to Joe Rogan? Or does he just leave and he's like going to leave his gloves on and just kind of be like, hey, yeah, F you guys, I'm out of here. I honestly think I that happened. That. Like, I, I should realize that too that. I don't think this man has a lot of sympathy. I mean, no, he's just so funny. You just, you literally just never, you never know. I mean, he called out Francis and Israel Adesanya. I he mean, like, he, like, I would actually, Seriously. I would love to see that fight. I mean, but he's just, he's just one of the baddest men ever. Like, he's just so sick. He just, he does what he wants. He peed on the side of the Apex building. And posted it for the company he fully works for and like makes the most I was like, dude, like he just doesn't care. And so if he if he loses, I honestly just think he's like, bye, starts his own organization because this man's set for life. He doesn't really need he's still gonna have a massive following. I don't think he needs to give a huge speech. Everyone knows what he did for the sport, everyone knows how he changed it and how he created his personality, blah blah blah. But he's just awesome. And yeah, I don't know, win or lose. I'm a big Nate Diaz fan. Like, I can't even lie. Like, he's always, always, always. So I'm I'm very, very much rooting for him. Nate Diaz said, so he said, he says a lot of things. For example, that he wanted to fight Francis Nagali. What? Like, what? He says a lot of things. But he said that he's only halfway done with his career, Tori. Like, he says that this is only the middle of his career. That after this, he's got so much more ahead of him. And that, that does make me happy. I don't know if that means... He wants to fight more. Maybe he fights Conor McGregor in a different promotion. I don't know. Or Real Fight Inc. Yeah. In Real Fight Inc., he fights Conor. I don't know. I can see it. Yeah. I really can't actually, like, straight up see that fight happening. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe this is an early prediction. I'm, I might be the first person that called it. But yeah. uh, we'll remember that if it does happen. But, yeah, you know, I'm going Chemayev. I really do like Chemayev. I spent a lot of money on a Chemayev card this week that – I wish I could have back, but I don't. So he better win anyway, because <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough fight, but overall, I mean, I am excited for this card. And Tori, we disagree quite a bit. We disagree on Jamie Pickett fight. Yeah. Um. Then we both. Oh, Macy. Irene, Kevin Holland, Dana Rodriguez. So this will be a, a little interesting one for us too to see who takes some some W's here at UFC two two seventy nine. <laughs> I'm a little dyslexic today. Um, no, that was a really good podcast. We're gonna keep it up with the Nate Diaz conversation, bringing up our top five segment where we've been ending all of our podcasts with our top five blank fill in the blank this week you know it's nate diaz's last fight in the ufc 100 percent, not a doubt in my mind that this dude if you know even if he wanted to sign with the ufc it wouldn't happen uh 
So I thought it would be fun to break down our top five Nate Diaz fights. Now, obviously, Tori and I are both young. Some of these fights we might not have watched when they happened because we might have been like in second grade. But we did our research. We watched some fights. So, Tori, give me your top five Nate Diaz fights. All right. So, Alex, I actually did make – I did top five Diaz moments. Moments. Give me so, your top five yeah, Diaz moments. I was about to say, I mean, like, same same sort of thing. I mean, yeah, sure, sure, sure. fights. So, at number five, I have when he clipped Leon Edwards and just pointed at him because that – I know I hate, I hate that I never say cold, but that might be one of the, like, coldest pictures I've ever seen. Like, that's – it's so sick. He's just, like – Pointing at him like, ha, f you. Like it's 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 sick. Nate Diaz, like you get rocked. That's number five. Beautiful. Number number four. I believe it was UFC two sixty three press conference where he was full on just smoking at the press conference with his head down. I have that there just because of the situation due to his brother with the drugs and marijuana when he got banned. It's just ridiculous. And so I have that just because he was like, what? Like he just yeah. he just doesn't care. It's just another thing of Nate Diaz not caring. Number three. I have the iconic, I'm not surprised, blank and blank, iconic quote from Nate Diaz. I mean, I say, I, I can't even lie. I say that a good amount. Um, number two is a recent one. I have Nate Diaz fully slapping Nelk's full send reporter just because I think I actually cried when I saw that because of how funny it was. Like he asked him a question. He's like, nope. And just like fully just hits him like, who else would be able to get away with that? Other gangster, like, gangster. Literally no one else would be able to get away with something like that. And then at number one, this is, every time I hear this, not even chills, I just get so hyped up when he's like, Conor McGregor, you're taking everything I work for. I'm gonna fight you next. Like I love, love, love that Nate Diaz quote. It's after he just got that massive win over Michael Johnson. It was just iconic. It was booming and it was awesome. So that's that's my top that's my top five for Diaz moments. Great Diaz moments. I have a lot of different things. So I talk about Nate Diaz versus Marcus Davis. One of his first really good fights that really showed who Nate Diaz was. It showed yes. his true bo- boxing ability. Another fight that people would argue would be his fight with uh, Takanori Gami. And in that fight, he was really able to separate himself from his brother was crushing his opponent on the feet and then he got him in the arm bar five minutes into or five minutes into the fight. I mean it was like beautiful. Yeah. Obviously a lot of people want to talk about Nate Diaz versus Jim Miller. First person to ever stop Jim Miller choked him out. Uh it was just another really good fight that showed who he was. Nate Diaz versus Donald Cerrone. Classic, classic fight. Uh just a great striking clinic where Diaz has proved he was a man once again. Yeah. And then Nate Diaz versus Conor McGregor, where he was able to come back, pull off the upset victory in the second round with the submission. And that's what I want to see on Saturday. Yes, I want to see this are. Nate Not Diaz get a submission. I will be so happy. And I, I love the UFC, but you know what? Dana White does deserve a little F you every now and then. I'm writing a whole college essay about fighter pay. And I really don't even have a strong opinion on it, but I'm writing an essay about it anyway. So this would be nice for me in my essay sake. But yeah. Nate Diaz, I mean, so many memorable moments in the UFC. Uh, 
and just a good career overall. If he never fights again, great career. He's uh, fought everyone and every anyone and everyone all yeah. the time. And he showed that you could stand up to Dana White and you could still be the man. And if he beats Hamzat, he'll he would be the ultimate guy to show. Yeah. I think this will be okay, question. Do you think if Nate Diaz beats Hamzat Chamayev, do you think this counts as one of the biggest upsets in UFC history over Penny and Nunez and over Usman and Kamaro? I Usman and Kamaro, Usman and Edwards. I, I do. I do definitely think it would be. I think it would be, be bigger than Pena Nunez. Between Rocky and Usman, it, it would be pretty close for me. Uh, I would say, I mean, the thing is, I would say this would be bigger than the Usman upset because I knew people that thought that Leon was going to win. The other yeah. thing was, it wasn't that everybody was like, Usman's going to kill him. Leon doesn't yeah. have a chance. That is the narrative that this fight has been yeah. since it's gotten made. If you bet $106 on Nate Diaz, you're getting $1,000 back. It's like a minus 140 favorite. And the odds go up every day. It yeah. might be a negative 2,000 favorite, honest to God, yeah. by the time Saturday comes. And I think if Nate Diaz pulls off a win, it is the biggest upset in mixed martial arts history by far yeah 1000 percent. i mean yeah people were calling this like everyone homes up by murder homes up by destruction blah, blah. y'all it's nate duke like i'm like sometimes i'm talking i'm like you guys don't know who nate diaz is like there's no way this man's not gonna put up a fight because he's at least gonna try you know like nate diaz even if he throws in a few slaps in there he's gonna make it a fight and so if he wins if he takes this i think it will I think it actually might be the biggest upset because Pena had some like it, it's just they're such in different stages of their career. Mm-hmm. This would be the this would be the great I think this would be not even the biggest upset. I mean like the greatest just because of, of Nate Diaz's circumstance right now. Right. Just, he wins and the newer contender he takes him out. He's like okay peace I'm out like I'm leaving. So I think I think it's gonna be awesome if he wins, but we'll see it on Saturday and I'm very very excited. Yeah, a fight that I'm really, really been wanting to see for so long is I a real test, a real test for Hamzat Chmaev would be him versus Kobe Covington because Kobe Covington yeah, is amazing. such a volume striker and he's his cardio is excellent and his wrestling yeah. is so good. If I, you know, I want to see that fight. Now that I know that Edwards and Usman rematch is going to happen. Might not happen for a while. If Jemayev does kill Nate Diaz, God forbid, maybe make that fight. If he loses to Nate Diaz, maybe make that fight. I would yeah. love to see it. I genuinely, I'm, I love Hamzai. He's one of my favorite fighters. Probably in my top five, but I'm not sure. Maybe we'll do top five favorite fighters in UFC next week because um, he, he might be up there. It's yeah. just that I I want to see him tested. I, I think a lot of guys in UFC have to fight a lot of fights before they get there. Obviously, there's your Yuri Prohachkas and your Alex Pajadas and the, those guys that just got to yeah. – they were so dominant outside the UFC. They came in. They were able to jump up. That's kind of what's happening with Hamzat, except I didn't know enough about Hamzat to see. And even after that Gilbert Burns fight, I was still like, now he was really good. Great yeah, fight. We need two more rounds. We need to I, see that five rounds. I need to see a little more. And then they gave us this fight. And I'm like, really? That's why you give my boy yeah. Jemayev. 
So maybe I want to see a Kobe fight happen. Uh, I don't it's think it will. I don't think it will happen, but I'd love to see it. And yeah. if it did happen, I'd be very happy. So, Tori, that is wrapping up our UFC 279 predictions. UFC 280 is coming soon, and that's going to be such a big oh. podcast. So, UFC so 281 going to be another big podcast. And yeah. UFC 282, possibly John Jones and Stipe, might yeah. be another crazy podcast there. Uh, we're also going to be covering all the up-and-coming fight nights as well. And if you want to listen to us kind of give our early predictions on some of those fights, listen to episode two of the Not Your Everyday MMA podcast because we did yeah. talk about some of those fights. Some of those fights have fell through, like Sean Strickland fight that we did talk about on there. But uh, a lot of those fights are still happening, and we do kind of give our little early predictions on that. So definitely check out that podcast. And we appreciate you guys tuning into this one. To our Spotify listeners, we appreciate the 30 downloads. Um, want to keep getting those downloads up. Appreciate it. Share it, that podcast. And we're also almost at 200 subscribers. Where we were at like 196, 197 last time I checked. Mm-hmm. So we're about to hit 200. Really appreciate that. And I love watching the comments. I try to respond to your comments um, and look at them. So definitely comment. Definitely like. And that is going to be it for episode four of the Not Your Everyday MMA podcast. I hope you guys, Tori and I both, hope that you guys enjoy watching this Saturday's fights. Tori, you got any final words for anybody? I mean... Thank you guys so much for everything. Um, listen to it on Spotify because we are now on Spotify for watching on YouTube. And thank you so much. I'm so pumped for this weekend and I'm even more pumped to see how our podcast goes and continues to grow for next week. So I'm excited. Awesome. Yes, yeah, very exciting times at the early stages of the Not Your Everyday MMA podcast. My name is Alex Henry and I was joined with Tori Habrell. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. We're signing off.